What comes to mind when you think of spring? Warmer weather, March madness, spring training, or perhaps warming up that golf swing? Well, all of those are fine answers, but for many, the thought of spring means the beginning of conference season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of the Resilient Journey podcast, presented by the Resilience Think Tank. This week, we're joined by Bob Arnold, president of the Disaster Recovery Journal and the MC for DRJ Spring 2024, Lisa Jones. Lisa and Bob talk about the evolution of the world's best resilience conference. Lisa talks about what attracted her to accept the role of MC and how DRJ has paved the way for many in our organization. They share the value of networking and offer tips for getting the most out of the conference. And we talk about the partnership between DRJ and the Resilience Think Tank. And now, here's our host, Mark Hoffman. I'm joined today by Bob Arnold and Lisa Jones, and we're talking about DRJ Spring, which is coming up here in just a few weeks. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thanks for allowing us to be here today. Yeah. No, this is great. Bob, so I'd like to start with you. Talk about the theme of this conference, because I know it's a big milestone conference. So just kind of set the tone for what you're looking for out of this this DRJ spring that's coming up. Sure. Well, we're excited as we head into our 70th conference. Uh, You can imagine we've seen pretty well everything here at DRJ from our own disasters to COVID, things like that. So we're excited to make it to 70th. 70 conferences. Um, you know, our theme for, for spring is unleashing the powers of resilience. Uh, we're marking a couple new milestones here at this show. Uh, one, another new venue. We're excited to move to the uh, Renaissance at SeaWorld in Orlando. And uh, the other one is our new MC, Lisa, that we're, we're all here to talk about today. So, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be talking about the celebrity among us here in, in, in just a minute, like <laughs> 70 conferences, Bob, like, come on, did you ever in your wildest dreams, did you ever think this would happen? I did not. I mean, I remember because I was in high school still at the at the very first conference in the early 80s, well, mid 80s, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I had no idea I'd be sitting here 35, 36 years later doing the same thing. So I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, how different is number 70 from number one? Like what, the difference in the conference must be striking, huh? It is it, just the sheer size. Even post COVID, we're still much larger than our first shows back in the '80s. Everything was DR. Everything was technology back then. Now yeah. we deal with everything that can interrupt an organization's ability to serve its customers. So that that just the topics we cover is so much more diverse, and so it, it it's definitely a different avenue. Uh, it's as far as the agenda goes, but also just our processes. We've really fine tuned, and we're constantly improving those processes to ensure. Uh, we, we deliver the best in show uh, to our to our attendees and our sponsors. What you just described there is the evolution of the industry. It's not that just the evolution of yeah. the conference, but it's that our industry has evolved the way that you described it. Right? It started off as disaster recovery and technology, and has now grown so much. And I think that that shows your commitment to the industry that you're keeping pace with uh, with how that's growing. You've added a virtual component to this year's conference as well. Correct. We it's it's hard to do an online event uh, because you don't want to ever cannibalize your in-person events. Uh, but COVID kind of 
forced our hand in that. And I think we did a very, very, I'm very proud of what our organization did and my employees uh, and my team here did during COVID. Uh, we had three very large, successful virtual events. Uh, the networking was incredible. We had 150 speakers at the one, over a thousand attendees. So um, it, it gave us that kind of, it dipped our toe in that digital world, that virtual world. So we kept that that offering and that that portion of our show uh, significantly. And that's one of the huge benefits of attending DRJ's event, because again, we, we run concurrent tracks. So if you've got five, six sessions going on, it's simultaneously, you can only attend one. Uh, what we decided to do was request and require all of our speakers to pre-record their sessions. So if you miss session on this or that, you can, you have 90 days after the event to go back and review those sessions and have all materials available to you. So we kept that, that on demand. We don't really call it virtual virtual okay uh, because it's 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 more on demand uh the the keynotes and the live streams are are still available for the bigger sessions but all the workshops and the breakouts are all pre-recorded that's amazing i know uh we still have to record ours for our session we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. <laughs> you'll, you'll get love notes from leslie right Oh, yeah, we're getting them. <laughs> let's give shout outs to the team because you don't have a big team. I know Leslie's amazing and it's a it's a small but really powerful group. We are. We're in. We're all I hate to say we bump heads a lot because we're all a type personalities, uh, but it is all that planning. Leslie's in. I mean, four months out, she already has my schedule of what I'm doing the day of the event myself. Uh, type scenario. You have Rose in the office that already has the pallets and the registration uh, six months before the show. I mean, literally the second we unpack the pallets from the last show, she's already packing for the next event. And so it, it, it is, we only have seven employees total. And yeah. so, yeah, we're a, we're a very streamlined organization and we're all very, very proactive. And that's, that's key to event planning. That's just ridiculous that you're pulling off two I like massive major conferences a year uh to the level of efficiency that you are with the great content that you're providing with seven people it's crazy one of the things that I think makes a good conference is your MC so Lisa stand by for a second because I think Bob might be you know going to say something that's going to embarrass you here but Bob, I'll, I'll close my ears. Me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we should put those noise-canceling yes. headphones on for this part. Uh, talk about your choice for of of Lisa for being the MC this year. Sure. And Lisa was a very easy and simple decision for me personally. Uh, first off, who who doesn't love Lisa? I, know. I met her. I met her many, many years ago, and every single interaction I've ever had has been an absolute true pleasure. Uh, she's always so friendly, fun, welcoming, and and she's full of energy. Uh, add to that the, you know, some of her incredible attributes, including including her willingness to share her knowledge. That's what I see all the time, everywhere. She's networking with everybody. Uh, she making. She was just a perfect candidate as her MC. Although it did take some convincing, did it not, Lisa? It took a little convincing, <laughs> but no, it's a great thing. <laughs> but our MCs, our end is our industry MCs are 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 I should say our MC really sets the stage uh, here for DRJ. Everything in our show, 
it's critically important that I, I believe our, our MC knows our space very well inside and out. We've, we've had some over the years that haven't really known our space as well as others, and it doesn't work as well. So sure. uh, we've been, we've been blessed to have longstanding relationship with a few MCs, including Barry Pruitt, more recently, Vanessa Matthews. Uh, so we have some big fill, big shoes to fill. Uh, but I am very, very confident Lisa can handle and even take it to the next level. No yeah, pressure. Looking- Looking forward to seeing Lisa, what you're going to, to, to bring to that role. Uh, take a minute. What does being MC at DRJ spring mean to you? How, how did, how did you respond to that? So first of all, I just have to, you know, I'm humbled and I appreciate Bob's belief in me. Um, I've been attending DRJ. I'm going to date myself, but I'm, I'm going to say maybe 2012, 14 uh, was my first conference. And I was blown away just about the, just about how the community was, how big it was, how inclusive it was, even though at the time I was just this, maybe one of 10 minorities who attended, maybe one of 20 women at the time, um, but never felt Um, yeah, it was, it it was, it was small. (laughs) Um, so just think about how the conference has grown and how our industry has grown since that time. Um, and also just the fact that now at, with the 70th anniversary of something that has just been so successful and has paved the way for myself, as well as other, uh, people in our industry to thrive, to learn information. So I'm very excited uh, to be a part of it. Yes, was I a little, uh, <laughs> took me a minute to uh, say yes. Uh, just personally, some, uh, about the conference itself is, is nothing against the conference at all. More about just the climate of where we will be. And, and let's be honest, and I'm, we'll, we'll talk about that probably more during the conference, is just the, the climate of Florida. Uh, <laughs> nothing against Florida, but there's there's a climate there that is not conducive to for myself um, as being a woman and a minority person. So it was it was a it was something that I really had to take into uh, take into uh, content um, to make my decision. But ultimately, I do my job in this resiliency profession is to not only support our industry, but to show how we are resilient. So it's, it's it's great that our theme is unleashing the power of resilience for 2024. Lisa, I know you and I talked about that at length and I was, I was right there with you. And then Bob, you were on the podcast back towards the end of last year after DRJ fall. And we talked about the upcoming conference and how it's it's a difficult decision it's a difficult environment and i think that you have both handled the situation really really well uh and and i i tip my hat to you lisa what's your approach to being mc i mean um you you've you've been to so many of these conferences you've seen other people do it uh my expectation from you would be that you would pick the things that worked in previous years and maybe stay away from the things that, that don't work. Like uh, what's your approach? Well, my approach is just to be myself. I mean, the reason that people uh, look towards me is the fact of, of my personality. And that's something that you, I think any MC has to be true to who they are. It can't be something that's not 
of that person. Um, because I enjoy the conference so much, I want to bring that energy. I want to help people be engaged and ready to hear the speakers of the day. Uh, also, just to be uh, a true representative of what resilience is. So, uh, and to represent DRJ effectively. Uh, the last thing I will want to do is 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 anything that is contrary to myself and to the conference. So, I am excited to see my friends because. I look at my look at the colleagues and the people that will be attending as friends. I've I know so many people. Yes, I, I'm that person where <laughs> constantly there's Lisa. There's Lisa. I don't even know how I get through the day. <laughs> yes, uh, you are. So <laughs> I remember being at a conference in Baltimore and I heard someone ask a question in the audience and I didn't even know Lisa was there. And I'm like, that's Lisa Jones. I know the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you walk down the hall with Lisa and you can become invisible in like a, a New York minute. Like it's unbelievable. Lisa, 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 the, the paparazzis are out. You're not singing a song, are you? I don't know. You have to be there to see. I don't know. We'll see how I'm feeling by day two. <laughs> That's, it depends on how, how much uh, partying there is after day one, maybe. Bob, talk to us a little bit about some of the presentations, uh, some of the folks that you have lined up. Um, what stands out and uh, the ones who are uh, maybe really vocal about this whole idea of unleashing the power of resilience? Sure. Well, the, the, you can imagine the, the trends are, are challenging to, to chase and follow. Uh, we had, I think, almost 100 session submissions on with AI or gener generative AI or machine learning. Everybody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. It's not new. That's the challenging thing. And we can't chase those things too much. Uh, and so you don't want to overwhelm your agenda with, with just one theme. So we've always tried to keep a very well-rounded agenda. We need to ensure we're still covering DR. We still need the technology aspect covered well. Uh, we need to work about work, uh, workplace violence, especially in today's geopolitical mm -hmm. world that they're so, and that goes back to the DEI topic, earlier it's we're so divided how do we have discussions how do we have meaningful discussions that continue to push this forward so that's uh i know we have a we have a pre-session on the dei uh topic as a whole and i think there's 60 uh 60 people in a pre-session pre-registered which is huge uh but again we we talk about everything testing exercising are always huge topics for us uh they're they're always great draws especially in the workshops when you have a little more time uh two two and a half hours to really dive deeper into the topics uh cyber of course is a huge risk ransomware anything along those lines yeah. so but we but we keep we keep a very very well-rounded agenda and that's our goal here is to make sure there's something for everyone because again we have so many risks coming at us and continuing the new emerging risks so how do we how do we uh, and that goes back to that more resilience approach being proactive and not reactive not having a plan for this you need plans for for different scenarios but also uh, stri strategically positioning your organization to prepare for any risk uh, whether known or unknown. So that, and, and that I, goes, and I just really ahead, quick, Lisa, and yeah. I was just going to say, and I just love the fact that how from the conversations, from the presentations, the breakout sessions, the, the workshops, those thought, the thought process fosters more conversation at lunch, at yeah. breakfast, during yeah. our networking events and how it's just so organic and how people are so 
engaged and and dialed into to the conversations that come out of the presentations. Again, what I think it does is it reflects the conference's maturity and evolution to match the industry. And Bob, you mentioned a, a second ago about emerging risks and threats. Lisa, do you think that our colleagues are keeping up with those emerging risks and threats and incorporating things like that into their business continuity and resilience programs? Or I don't know, are we still seeing a trend where people are kind of stuck in the old ways of doing it? I mean, what what kind of exposure do you have there and what are you seeing? Well, from, from my perspective, I think the industry itself and professionals are keeping up with those trends. I think their challenge is how do they mitigate those things? How do they respond to it? We get inundated with so many things, so so much information, whether it is about cybersecurity, whether it is about a climate change, whether it's about uh, geopolitical unrest. And I think from, as a, from a professional's perspective, we get overwhelmed. And depending on your industry, it's will negate how well you either deal with it contingent on your budget. (laughs) Let's be honest, the budget drives all of those things. So I think as professionals, yes, we are very dialed in and tuned in to what the trends are. Our challenges is how do we address it and respond in a thoughtful way that meets our organization as well as uh, just just the industry that we're in. So for this interview, Lisa, you're joining us from the Philadelphia area. Bob, you're in the Midwest. I, I'm just north of Toronto in Canada. We just had a news report yesterday in Canada that says the Canadian population is now more millennials than it is baby boomers, which is interesting. First time that's ever happened. The presentation that I'm doing with a new friend of mine, Steph McCluskey, is moving between legacy to velocity. And what we mean by that is sometimes those of us of a certain age, <clears throat> Lisa, uh, <laughs> more so me, you know, we tend to think maybe a little bit differently than someone who is could be younger, could be just new to the industry. And our presentation is how do we take the strengths that people with a lot of experience bring to the table, a lot of that legacy thinking, and merge them with the strengths that somebody may be new to the industry or younger can bring to the table, use of technology, more innovation, different mindsets and things like that to develop a future growth mindset. So our presentation is uh, Tuesday, and uh, I hope people will will uh, tune in for that and, and join us for that one as well. And we're also having a similar uh, presentation. I believe it's Tuesday, similar to yours, where we're talking about the different generations the different generations that are in our industry and how we can work together and how we can uh, build resilience as well as that next, taking that next level of as our baby boomers decide they want to retire. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, we will. (laughs) They will eventually. Um, And so how do we, we, we grow that next generation of, uh, fantastic resilience professionals to take to take over. Yeah, it's so important. And we've been talking about it. It's become sort of the theme of this episode is the evolution of the industry, not only the evolution of the conference, but the evolution of the industry is is passing the torch, isn't it, to that next uh, to that next generation. One of the things I'd like you to do is give advice to 
someone who might be a newcomer? Because Lisa, you talked about this. You've been going to the conference for, you know, 10, 12 years. Uh, I'm still relatively new, but I've, I've definitely been to the conference and I kind of have my own approach for mingling and being around people, which is hard for me, believe it or not. It's just really hard for me to do. For both of you, please give some advice to newcomers. What should they be doing? Someone, maybe this is their first conference. What should they be doing to get the most out of DRJ Spring? I'll take it first. The biggest thing is identifying sessions they want to attend, ensuring they're, they're, they're packing their agenda full of the sessions and workshops that most, most fit their needs. Uh, secondly, approach the speakers. Speakers, they are like Lisa, they are approachable. They love to talk about the, sub the subjects that they are experts in, and they love to dig deeper into that topic. And they have so much more knowledge than just what they presented in that 50 minutes or hour, whatever it might be. So, um, and also network with the sponsors. I know everybody has this mental block with exhibitors and sponsors, uh, but, but many of them see so many different aspects and in different industries, different vendors, different, uh, everything. So they are truly some of our best thought leaders and subject matter experts that, that they literally have just, I guarantee they've seen your industry, they've seen your profession, they've seen your company size, they've seen your region mm -hmm. uh, in, in their own customer base. So they can provide so much knowledge and insight into your own planning efforts. So that's what I would suggest. And the biggest thing is just networking. Uh, we have networking tables at lunches, breakfast, industry, set up by industry if you're finance, manufacturing, whatever it might be, healthcare, uh, and find others in your industry that are dealing with the same type of challenges you are in your own program. So that that's my, that's my um, advice to the newcomers. Lisa, Bob gave a pretty complete answer there. Do you have anything to add? He did. I would, I would just highlight networking again. Um, once you come out of the sessions and you hear the information, the networking is the jewel because you get to share your thoughts as well as hear what others are doing. It's amazing. I always find it amazing. We'll, we'll, I'll go to a session, I'll hear something, or I'll be at a table and I'll sit there and somebody will say something. And then next thing you know, I do the same thing. I have the same question. Oh my gosh, give me your input. Give me your thoughts. You get the, you get the real, as, as, as the, as the kids say, you get the real tea about different topics from how other organizations are doing things. So that's, that's where the, the, some of the best knowledge that I've gotten, not in, in the workshops and the presentations are great. Even speaking to the sponsors, I've, I've learned so much, but once you take all that knowledge, now I have all this information, how do I implement this into my organization? The networking part is where you learn that. That's where people share what worked for them, what didn't work. So take advantage of that. Don't be afraid to ask questions because I bet you someone else at the table or at least three or four people at the table have the same questions and thoughts yep. that you may have. Yep. That's exactly uh, what I was going to say. And look, here's, here's the other thing. Networking is so important. Now we've all talked about it. I'm speaking at this year's conference with Stephanie McCluskey. I met her at DRJ fall. She turned around, she was talking to us uh, she said she had an idea for a presentation, but had never given one before. And I'm like, huh, yes. why don't we collaborate on something? And now, you know, here, here we are. And it's, uh, 
I was I was kidding her. We're like the Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga of DRJ Spring, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in our uh, in our presentation. And only one thing I want to add that if you're at the conference and you meet me, believe me, I'm going to introduce you to four or five other people. So be ready. <laughs> Talking yeah. about networking, I, I wanted to kind of give your own plug about the Resilience Think Tank. So I'm excited to to formalize our partnership uh, with with uh, Resilience Think Tank. And I, I believe in, in the it's an incredible networking and training platform. And, you know, it's crazy to think in 40 years of doing this, it's amazing to see how large our profession has gotten, but at yeah. the same time stalled, stayed so small. So that's all about networking. We really value our partnership with, with you too, Bob. And so let me just see if I can uh, explain a little bit about what the partnership is. First of all, there's a financial aspect to it. There's a, a financial benefit Members of the Resilience Think Tank get a 10% discount at DRJ Spring registration. So if you haven't registered for DRJ Spring yet, sorry, Bob, I'm going to cost you a little bit of money here, <laughs> but don't do it yet. Go to resiliencethinktank.com slash membership, sign up for your advocate level membership, and then go over and register for DRJ Spring, and you can save 10% uh, on that registration for the conference. And we appreciate that. One of the things that uh, we kind of pride ourselves on at the Think Tank is we're a collaboration group. We will collaborate with almost anybody. And uh, our collaboration with you is really, really important to us. And it's a top priority for us. So thank you for that. Wonderful. Us too. We're excited by it. One last thing I want to call out, another kind of self selfish plug for something that we're doing since we're talking about the Think Tank, is on the Saturday before the conference officially begins... We are putting on a, a workshop on cyber crisis management. It's not a technical workshop. We're not going to talk to you about remediating network malware and things like that. It's the crisis management aspect of it. How do we communicate? What decisions do we need to make? What about privacy and legal concerns and things like that? And we're actually even going to run an exercise with the people who are in the workshop. It'll be a kind of a fun cyber tabletop exercise. The FBI says it this way, cybercrime is organized crime at its best. You cannot have a disorganized response. So talk a little bit about those um, bookend sort of workshops, Bob, at uh, at DRJ Spring. Yes. And those those have, uh, they're, they're pretty new back to DRJ. We've, we had a pretty lengthy pre and post course offering uh, pre-COVID, but COVID, of course, shrunk everything. And we're, we're slowly growing back. As our numbers grow back at the events, it, it definitely allows us the opportunity to add these pre and post conference offerings. I think we have three or four going pre all the way from um, very DR IT type type topics from I-Core to the cyber resilience topic you guys are, are presenting, which I know is, is a very hot topic because again, ransomware and cyber is, is much more than an IT topic. It is an organizational topic. It is the number one risk facing every single organization. It's, it's not if, but when, right. and it's also IT is always, we have it covered. Okay. What happens when you don't, because you don't, I mean, <laughs> That's the right. only thing, the only thing we know historically is that plan B is not going to work. How about plan C, D, E? That's where business continuity can help. And that the processes we have in place, but there's also a, 
Uh, I think Dave Hunt is running a active assailant uh, preparedness. Uh, so that's another time timely topic. So if you just visit brj.com forward slash spring 2024, all those pre and post conference offerings are listed there for you. And there's also some post post conference offerings as well. So if you do want to come early or stay late, uh, there's certainly some educational offerings for you. All right. That's awesome. Bob, Lisa, thank you. Lisa, any final words before we wrap it? No, other than I'm looking forward to seeing everyone in March. And if you see me, just say hi. I would love to meet you and looking forward to it. <laughs> Don't be intimidated by Lisa's celebrity. She's very approachable. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Lisa brings to, uh, to that important role at our events. Uh, she inspires and encourages everyone to get involved, I believe, pretty well all levels. So she leads by example and she has fun doing it. So we look forward to it, Lisa. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, Bob, Lisa, thanks for doing this. Most definitely. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Bob Arnold and Lisa Jones for joining us this week and talking about DRJ Spring. The Resilient Journey is a Resilience Think Tank production. Next week, we're taking a deep dive into the financial sector as we are joined by Jillian Catalano, Senior Director of Business Continuity Risk for RBC. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.